Mount's in the middle. And what a finish that is. Mason Mount. That is extraordinary from Fikayo Tamori. Loses Callum Hunt to the door. And there it is. His first goal. For Chelsea, the teenager, a moment he will remember. Hello and welcome back to the Chelsea Spot podcast. I'm Orlando and today I'm joined by a very special guest, Chelsea reporter for Football London, Adam Newson. Thanks so much for joining us, Adam. No worries, guys. Thank you very much for having me. And alongside him, I do obviously have the trusty Pari. How are you doing, mate? I'm doing great, mate. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this one. Before we get into the pod, I'd just like to... Um, mentioned that we've started really pushing our Instagram again and we're we're trying to get some more followers on there and, and post more regularly on there so if you could drop us a follow at the Chelsea Sport on Instagram that would be greatly appreciated and yeah let's get into it first of all I just want to ask you Adam how did you get into sports journalism what's your career path been like so far and, and how's that all gone yeah uh so I've been going in sports journalism nearly 10 years now, which is, I realised, not that long ago uh, that yeah. I hit that landmark. Um, but, you know, I went to uni, did a degree uh, and a teeny bit of that degree with journalism, realised within probably the first year that I enjoyed that the most. So when I left uni, I did a journalism course, like a really six month quick course. So I did that. And then basically, I was really lucky. Um, I ended up getting a job uh, at a centralised sports desk at the Watford Observer, which sort of covered lots of different papers in North London, East London, Watford and all this. Um, so I ended up on there and I stayed five years. I did three years covering Barnet, which was really great fun because Edgar Davids came along and all this stuff happened when I was there. Um, and then I did Watford uh, the season they went up and their first season in the Premier League, um, which was great. And then I went off uh, to do uh, some social media at the Mirror. Uh, and then I went to a startup um, and then eventually I decided at the start of last year, uh, sorry, beginning of 2020, I was like, I'm going to go freelance. I'm going to give freelancing a try. Uh, and then there's some, the pandemic came along. So that was a good uh, <laughs> good timing on my part. But um, fortunately, you know, it worked out OK. Um, and then, yeah, I started at Football London at the beginning of the year and uh, covering Chelsea, which has been really, really enjoyable first month there. Awesome. That That's a, a pretty hectic career path, it sounds. <laughs> Um, yes, a lot happened. A lot happened. <laughs> obviously, you are a Chelsea fan, so is it nice? Would you say this is kind of the dream job now? Uh, definitely. Like when I started out, you know, I think I would have always wanted to cover Chelsea at some point in my career, um, because you know, going to going to games, getting to speak to the managers, doing I say managers plural, um, doing all this stuff <laughs> is like. If, you know, if I told 13-year-old me, oh, you're going to get to do this every day, like, I don't think they, my 13-year-old self would have believed me. So, um, yeah, it's, it's great to be doing it. And, you know, there's there's probably nothing I would enjoy doing as much, in truth. Nice. Yeah, that's very nice. So, obviously, um, the biggest news coming out recently is Frank Lampard sacking. And we just wanted to do, well, we just wanted you to give your thoughts. What what did you think about the sacking? Was it was it a surprise one? Um, sort of. Obviously, you're a Chelsea fan, so can you give it from mm. either perspective, the journalist view and the Chelsea fan <laughs> view? The Chelsea fan view was, oh man, they've sacked Frank Lampard, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which 
you know, I think was always going to hurt no matter when it happened, unless, you know, Frank Lampard had won two Champions Leagues and had decided to walk off himself. It was always going to be hard to take when he did go. Um, from the journalist's perspective, it was a surprise, but it wasn't. Like, we all kind of knew, like, we could see Chelsea weren't playing well. The form wasn't great. The performances were bad. Like, the Leicester game was awful. Um, but I think the fact it came after... You know, Chelsea beat Luton and then you had the game against Wolves on the Wednesday and then the game against Burnley and you're like, oh, well, you you know, they'll maybe give Lampard a couple more games just to see if he could if he could turn it around. Chelsea obviously decided differently. So it came as a surprise in the sense of the day it hasn't, was announced. But I don't think given Chelsea's form and given that it's Chelsea and we know how they act, that it wasn't that much of a surprise in that sense. And then obviously Frank Lampard was... Within only a few hours, the news was coming out that he, he was going to be replaced by Thomas Tuchel. Um, and over the course of the whole kind of 24, 48 hours-ish, there was loads and loads of news uh, flying around about different players, all the different uh, things contributing to Lampard sacking. How was that <laughs> for you? It must have been a bit of a, a whirlwind time. Yeah, it was a it was a big start to the week, um, but um, yeah, it, it it makes sense. It made sense for Chelsea to to have somebody else lined up. If you're gonna for any football club, if you're gonna change head coach, it's completely logical to already have your the replacement set up. Um, so yeah, the fact it happened that quickly wasn't a surprise. Um, and you know, Thomas Tuchel is, isn't Frank Lampard. He's not going to be able to have that same connection with the fans. I don't think, especially as the fans can't be in the ground at the moment, but. It's hard to argue that he's not come across really, really well. Um, like his first press conference um, last Thursday, he was really, really charismatic, really positive, said all the sort of right things you'd want to hear from your head coach. Um, and, you know, the performance against Burnley was encouraging. Um, I don't think Chelsea have by any stretch finished the finished article under Thomas Tuchel. I do think there's probably quite a lot of work for him still to do. But, say, you know, it's only been a week since he arrived. Um, and a lot, a lot has happened. You know, Chelsea have played a couple of games. Um, he's had his, he's had press conferences. He's, he's had a lot on his plate. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's been a busy week. But um, I kind of expect that. I, mean, I think that's <laughs> going to be the case for Chelsea as long as I'm covering them. I, I remember there's this, um, like I think it was one of the Chelsea annuals or something. It was this quote where it said, "Chelsea Football Club." expect the unexpected <laughs> and I think this situation quit, fits quite well into that um, but yeah. you know it's a bit of a cliche I feel like most fans of, of football clubs will tell you that about their own club but um, I think it is quite fitting. Um, you mentioned there that you think obviously it's not really an opinion everybody agrees that um, Chelsea under Tuchel so far are not the finished article but what are the things that you think that he has to improve on? Because, you know, Lampard's sacking was mainly just because we saw in, in those reports that he had dropped below the requisite points per game to keep Marina Granovskaya happy. Um, and the, the results were not good enough. But what was it? Well, obviously, this is a very hard question to answer. <laughs> but what do you think are the, the things that need to change for the results to go in the right direction again? I think sometimes, you know, and it's kind of the simple response, but sometimes a change can yeah. really have a big impact. And the fact that Thomas Tuchel's come in and and switched the system up 
firstly, has, has had an effect. Um, a sort of caveat with the fact it's against the Wolves team that aren't playing brilliantly and against Burnley. So they, those are both opponents you'd expect Chelsea to beat anyway. But the back threes looked very solid. Um, Chelsea obviously able to keep the ball very, very well under Thomas Tuchel so far. Um, Callum Hudson-Doyle looks great in the right wing-back role. Whether or not he will continue to play that against the sort of top-level opponents, uh, I'm not sure, just because he hasn't really had to do any defending in the last two games. He's basically played as a right winger. Yeah. Um, so would would you play him in against Spurs at right wing-back? That's a question you probably needs to be... We'll see the answer to on Thursday. Um, but it is hard for Thomas Tuchel because you look at the football that he's implemented, especially when he was at Borussia Dortmund, and it was really high energy, really high intensity, winning the ball back high at the pitch. And he said in his first press conference, obviously, he mentioned the or oh, we had 16 ball recoveries in the final third. So it's it's clear what he wants, but I'm not sure how easy it's going to be for him this season just because of how many games Chelsea have to play, how little time there are between the games. And I think every sort of pressing metric for across the Premier League is down this season on last yeah. season. So I'm not sure it's going to be that simple for him to really implement exactly what he's going to want from this Chelsea team. Um, but... I think the biggest issue for him to solve firstly is Timo Werner um, because mm. he didn't play brilliantly against uh, Burnley. Like it, it was a positive mm. game against Burnley, but he didn't have a great game, Timo Werner. And I think trying to unlock unlock him is going to have a big uh, say in what Chelsea do for the rest of the season because there's no doubt if Chelsea can get a Timo Werner confident and, and firing again, then that's a huge weapon as uh, as the season goes on because... Olivier Giroud does his thing, and I really like Giroud. I think he's got a lot to offer. Um, and the same for Tammy Abraham. I really like Tammy, and I think he does things very well. And too many people focus on what Tammy doesn't do very well yeah. and overlook what he does. But you know, you saw the sort of the front two that Chelsea played in the sort of last sort of half an hour, forty-five minutes against Burnley with Pulisic and Werner. That looked quite effective. Um, so. Yeah, getting the best out of Tino Werner is the first thing on his list, and then hopefully he can work through the rest of rest of it. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, also something which I guess you would know more than any of us after like attending these press conferences. But Tuchel really hasn't really said anything wrong so far. He's probably got everything spot on about using the academy, the the trust and the value he has in the in the young players. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to know, like in the press conferences, uh, how's he been? He looks a very animated character, but um, he looks like he knows what he's doing and talking about. Yeah, he is. Uh, so he's very charismatic, um, and he's done it all with a smile so far, which is nice and hasn't always been the case with Chelsea head coaches. Um, you know, Frank Lampard was very was very good with the media for the most part. I know he got a bit snippy with with a couple of people towards the end, but you know, <laughs> yeah. I think that was it. But obviously Mauricio Sarri wasn't the most uh, dynamic guy in the world. Um <laughs> either of us, so I wasn't around at the time. But um but no, I think everything Thomas Tuchel has said so far has been the right things. I really thought he handled the question about um well firstly his eighteen month contract. Uh, which he just yeah. basically said, well, it doesn't really matter if it was a four-year deal anyway, because they'll sack me if it's not going well. Um, and I thought he handled it really well when he was asked about his sort of previous falling outs with people at clubs. And he sort of made the point that he's learned from those experiences and maybe he can't be as combative as he has been in the past, which, you know, for his own future at Chelsea, he can't afford to really fall out with 
Marina and Petacek because if he does, then he will he won't last very long. So um, as you say, he he's come across really really well. He's said all the right things, and hopefully um, the performances and results follow now because um, that would be pretty much the perfect start to him really. I always think in these kind of things that the the kind of idea of if you talk the talk, you've got to walk the walk, and it's not the same thing. But obviously. He, there's no walk for him to have walked so far. We can't <laughs> judge him on any of that. So from the stuff that he has said, you know, I think it's really encouraging. Um, and especially the kind of stuff like, I know one answer he, he said um, about Billy Gilmore, he, he praised on him, but then he also said um, his physical qualities are maybe not quite there yet for the standard of the Premier League, which got a little bit of stick on social media um especially due to the fact that he's been playing Jorginho <laughs> in both of the games which to be fair I understand that but on the other hand it is still a fair point regardless yeah. of you know I'm one of Billy Gilmore's biggest fans but it's still a fair point to say oh yeah he could improve a bit physically yeah I think it's easy to forget that Billy Gilmore's only 19 yeah um he will fill out as he gets a bit older um but as you say, like he, he proved last season he could handle the Premier League. Um, perhaps what Thomas Tuchel said was partly influenced by the fact that obviously Billy Gilmore still coming back from uh, quite a long layout uh, with yeah. a knee injury. He came back at the end of November, but hasn't really played that much. He's played sort of six games, but um, you know the, the, his last couple of starts have been against Luton and Morecambe. And with all due respect to those teams, they're not going to be uh, the big tests that Billy Gilmore needs really. Um, so I again I agree with you I think Billy is a huge talent and hopefully he will get some game time um, because if he hasn't made the match day squad in the last couple perhaps that was down to the fact that there was a bit of debate uh, uh, whether or not he was going to go on loan or not because at one point it looked likely and then it's turned around mm. and he stayed so maybe that was just with an eye to didn't want to risk him just in case he did end up going out on loan um, but hopefully going forward, Billy does get chances because I do think that he has a lot to bring to this team. And again, not to disparage Jorginho, but um, I do think Billy can do a lot of what Jorginho can do and maybe have a bit more of a uh, intent with the ball passing it forward first time rather than maybe taking a touch and then knocking it sideways. Which again, I like I'm to call trying... it attacking thrust, I like to call it. Yes, yes, yeah. that's a good way of putting it. And you say, Jorginho has his qualities and there's no doubt about that, but... Um, yeah, I would like to see Billy given a go at some point. Yeah, I think Jorginho had one of his better games against Burnley, but I don't think that takes away the amount of times we've said on this podcast, or at least Orlando is someone tell me <laughs> someone tell me what Billy Gilmore can do with Jorginho Khan, something like that. Um, but yeah, we're, we're huge Billy Gilmore fans. Uh, he, as, as you said, it looked like he was, um, well, it did look like at one stage he was going to go out on loan, but we didn't mm. really see any outgoings this term except for Tomori, I guess, which was pretty inevitable. How was that as a journalist, you know, not re- reporting, no incomings, <laughs> really no outgoings? And yeah, were you surprised that there weren't a few more, including some of the 23s, you know, who could have gone on loan? You're talking about Tino Andrin or Henry Lawrence as well. They they had a shot as well. Mm. I think given how much Chelsea spent in the summer, they were never going to be yeah. that active in January. Um, and I, I think in terms of outgoings, Chelsea did want to get... Well, at the start of the month, anyway, Chelsea did want to get out a couple of players. The fact that then 
Thomas Tuchel arrived with a week to go, I think maybe altered the ideas around what Chelsea wanted because he's come in and given everybody a clean slate. Um, I think Marcus Alonso may have gone out on loan, uh, had Frank Lampard stayed just because he was completely out of favour. And maybe one or two others would have been a bit more uh, pushing for moves because they weren't playing as regularly under Lampard. But, you know, the fact he went and then Thomas Tuchel was come in with a week and has basically said, I want to give everybody a go here, has made Chelsea go, ah, actually, OK, we'll, we'll make these decisions in the, in the summer then. We don't have to make a decision now. Um, but the flip side of that is there are players who, there are, to say, I think I wrote a piece for, well, I did write a piece for Football London today, that you go through that squad and there are decisions that are going to have to be made. Obviously, Thiago Silva's out of contract in the summer, but there's an option mm. for a year. Giroud's out of contract in the summer. What do you do with him? And then at the end of the 21-22 season, you've got Rudiger, Christensen, Emerson, Azpilicueta all out of contract. So Chelsea are going to have decisions to make in the next few months because they can't really afford to lose many players for free. So they're either going to have to sell them this summer or um, tie them down to new deals. So there are decisions to be made on that front. In terms of the under-23s, I think... And I do wonder how much Phil Foden has influenced a lot of younger players now because he's obviously stuck around at Manchester City for sort of three, four seasons now. Uh, and he's learned what Pep Guardiola wants. He's learned how to fit into that team. And maybe that's having a bit more of an influence on other young players at this point. Someone like Tino Andrin has the complete profile you want from a midfielder. He can. Uh, I was at the game uh, as a fan when he made his debut against Grimsby. And I remember him coming on and going, God, he, he looks like a... This, he's he's coming up against he's Leeds. Like, yeah, he looks like a yeah. you know a guy who's going to be absolutely fine at senior level. Yeah. So he's staying around. He's pushing, um, and I think that's probably the right thing for him at this point because he could go to the championship and probably play well. But does that really accelerate his progress into this Chelsea first team? Is it better for him to stay and learn under Thomas Tuchel? And if he's given that opportunity, prove that he's ready. Um, I think it probably is at this stage and I really like Andrew and I think he's going to have a lot to offer this Chelsea team if he does play. Um, the other thing I'd add is that January loans are very rarely successful, you know, across mm-hmm. the board, regardless of, you know, the player. So even if he doesn't get that many minutes here, it's probably still more beneficial to stick around the first team bubble, learn off them in training. But especially with the new manager coming in, if he can make an impression on Thomas Tuchel, rather than, you know, obviously Tuchel's going to see more of him <laughs> if he's seeing him every day, rather yeah. than perhaps not even watching him every week. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly right. Um, and, you know, this summer there there is going to be a bit of competition coming back into that midfield, yeah. those positions. If, if Ruben, if Ruben off his cheek comes back from his loan, Ross Barkley comes back from his loan, um, they're just obviously Conor Gallagher. Conor Gallagher comes back from his loan. You're looking at that midfield, the competition in it really stepping up. And if you're Tino, it's probably better that you're sort of in Tuchel's mind rather than having been out yeah. on loan in the championship and not in his mind going forward. So, um, yeah, it, it was a really quiet January. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so it wasn't that much of a surprise, to be honest. I think everyone kind of expected it. And it wasn't just Chelsea that were quiet. It was pretty much across the board. I think deadline day yesterday was... Um, Sky were, were having hard work with that, trying to sell that as a really enticing <laughs> To be prospect. fair, lo- last few hours were interesting with um, with Madra and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, like you said, it was a pretty dead, <laughs> dead, dead line day. From, from a perspective of, of someone who's quite a big fan of the EFL, I actually found it really entertaining. I thought there were loads of deals in the EFL, but if you switch on Sky Sports News, Jim White 
apparently doesn't know what the <laughs> EFL is, but you know. <laughs> anyway, um, we'll move on from the transfer window and from um, the more abstract state of play at Chelsea, and we'll we'll look into uh, the big game coming up on Thursday. It's Tottenham Hotspur away. Um, what are your thoughts ahead of that? Does Tuchel, as you said, does he stick with Callum Hudson-Odoi at right wing back against a stronger team? Or, you know, will they look to play a low block anyway? Um, they've been doing that this season, but especially Kane is out, mm. Regri Lon is out. It looks like Tongi Endombele could be out as well, which would, you know, be a huge positive yeah. for Chelsea. For me, with those three players out, there need to be serious questions asked if Chelsea don't win. Uh, yeah, I mean, I imagine Jose Mourinho is going to go Jose Mourinho and yeah. try and uh, yeah. and go low block, try and frustrate Chelsea, um, especially as he's really under pressure at the moment. Um, their game against Brighton at the weekend, Spurs were pretty much, mm. well, they were dire for most of that game. Mm. Um, and, you know, the, the reality is this is kind of what happens now with Jose Mourinho, you know, as much as he's been brilliant in the past, I'm, you know, Daniel Levy signed up for this. Um, I, I say I put yeah. out a tweet. I put out a tweet the other night. You know, he's got two and a half years left on his contract, and he's paid 15 million a year to sack Jose Mourinho. Will cost Spurs an astronomical amount of money. Mm. So I don't really think that's going to happen. So they're going to kind of have to persevere with Mourinho. Um, and I think Mourinho, you know, will kind of go to his default mode of yeah, let's go low block here and try and frustrate Chelsea and get something on the counter. Harry Kane being out is huge. If Ndombele doesn't make it, yeah, that's a huge, huge boost for Chelsea because he's been brilliant, especially in the recent weeks. Um, so I don't want to say it's a, it would be bad if Chelsea didn't win because, again, Thomas Tuchel was only had the best part yeah. of a week with the players. But, you know, there is a good opportunity for Chelsea to essentially get a statement win, I think, under Tuchel. You know, drawing with Wolves was understandable because he'd had 24 hours to, to sort out the team and then beating Burnley is what you'd expect. Um, but to beat Spurs, you know, a fellow side that's challenging for the Champions League, that would kind of be a first big, big win for Tuchel. So it will be interesting how he approaches it. It will be interesting to see if how Spurs approach it. Will Will Mourinho go with the back three again, as he did against Brighton, to try and match what Tuchel does? Uh, that will be interesting. Um, if he does, I suspect Chelsea's back three will probably be a bit more drilled than Mourinho's. Not to be harsh on Mourinho. Um, but yeah, so there's some big questions. There's some big questions that we'll, that we'll get answers to on Thursday night with the team because he could be bold or he could maybe just pull it back a little bit. You know, if he put Reese James in at right wing back, I don't think as brilliant as Callum has been in the last two games, I think Reese James would have a lot to offer in that role as well. So um, I wonder if Marcus Alonso will start though. Spurs, Spurs and Marcus Alonso. I've actually put a tweet out saying that when he was announced in the lineup and everybody on Twitter was crying, I just tweeted saying, you won't be crying when he scores a match-winning brace against Spurs on Thursday. <laughs> would, what do you think about Marcus Alonso? Would you start him uh, against Spurs or would you go with Ben Chilwell again? I don't know. I think for me, even for me personally, like just kind of with disregard to this particular game, I still love Marcus Alonso and I, I know a lot of Chelsea fans kind of hate him, but I, I love him and I, I think he's a great player in his in his natural position. Um, and if we are to stick with this formation, I probably think Marcus Alonso is a better player as a left wing back than Ben Chilwell. 
that may be a bit harsh on Chilwell. He has been really good, obviously. You can't really just drop him like that because he spent <laughs> as part of 50 million on him. But um, I do think that, it's well, as you said, especially against Spurs, I'd definitely play him because, you know, it's Marcus Alonso and it's Spurs. But in general, I think with a, a winger ahead of him who likes to cut in, especially if that's Timo Werner, I did mention this when we first signed T- Timo Werner um, back in, I don't know how, however long ago it was, um, that that could be a really deadly partnership. Werner on the left, you know, obviously he's not kind of a traditional wing- winger. He likes to drift inside really far um, and that will create space for Marcos Alonso to do whatever he wants in the attacking third, which is where he's at his best. So I, th- I think that could be really effective, not just against Spurs, but in the long term as well. Do wonder if uh, if Thomas Tuchel, because I don't think he's going to be wedded to a back three every week going forward. I do think mm. there'll be a, a change as if you end up having a situation where if Chelsea play a back four, Ben Chilwell plays. If Chelsea play a back three, yeah. and then wing backs Alonso plays. Um, I also, having said that, I this is slightly more left field, but I do think Ben Chilwell is probably a better option than Tony Rudiger at left centre back if we are to play a back three. Interesting. What sort of doing what Azpilicueta does on the other side, basically. Yeah, well, he did it for Leicester on occasion. Admittedly, mm. not directly by choice from Brendan Rodgers. It was kind of forced through injuries, but he looked quite good there. And I think, you know, he's very fast. He um, He's good on the ball. Maybe if he wants to play that, that position, he, he should bulk up a bit more. But I, I definitely like to see it given a go, especially in games where we dominate the ball. Yeah. As I say, we've forgotten about Emerson, Paul Ladd, but... Um... <laughs> <Guess maybe. laughs> he's the old one out yeah. in this, I think now. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, he's gonna, yeah, he's gonna struggle, isn't he? He was second choice left back under Lampard, and now he's third choice. If we're looking at it, um, who even knows if Tuchel will prefer Quetta at left back? Who even knows? Maybe Tuchel will play him against uh, at right wing against Barn- Barnsley again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, so yeah, what we'll, we'll go through the lineups. What would our lineup be? What are we sort of predicting a mix of both. Um, I'm especially intrigued into the front three because um, if you think about Werner, Tammy, Giroud, they've each had their chance. So they've each one of them haven't been that convincing um, mm. in their in their little game time in the last week. So I personally would put Havertz up because that's something I want to see. Um, but yeah, so I'll I'll go through my lineup and you guys can discuss it. So I'd go. Uh, Mendy in goal. Um, my three centre backs. I'd go silver. I personally would go Reese at right centre back. Um, and I, I well, it will be Rudiger at left centre back. But I would personally prefer Zuma. My wing backs. I'll go Alonso, and I will go Callum because I think he's played there well t- twice in a row. Why not? Let's see if he can do it a third time. Um, see if he's got it in him. Midfield two of. Kante and Kovacic and a front three of Mount, Havertz and Pulisic. Um, but yeah, there, there's a lot of good players I'm leaving on the bench. So <laughs> I'll, I'll leave that to you too. Interesting. No Hakim Ziyech. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like even though I wouldn't personally, um, you know, do it with my choice, I feel like Ziyech has got to be a, a kind of dead cert to start seeing as he was rested from the entire 18 on well it's not an 18 anymore is it entire 20, 20 on yeah. <laughs> um on um whenever the game was sunday 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I quite I like the idea of Havertz. I don't think it will happen, but I would like to see mm. him tried in that role at some point just because it was what he was so successful in at Leverkusen. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Giroud starts this one just because if Spurs do play quite a low block, I think he's probably the person you'd want to be bouncing balls off in that sort of tight area rather than Tammy is much as I like Tammy and I don't think Timo Werner is going to have that same subtlety to his game. Um, so I kind of would guess that Giroud would start. But um, but the Havertz thing is interesting because I do think Chelsea still haven't worked out, or well, Frank Lampard, let's say Frank Lampard because it was Frank Lampard, hasn't worked out, had, hadn't worked out what to do with Havertz. He really crowbarred him into the midfield and Havertz, there were a couple of games where Havertz did nice things but didn't really hugely influence them. Um, and there were a lot of games where he just wasn't great so um yeah that would be one to maybe try another another day because um i do think took uh, will respect spurs um yeah. to try out or something like that so reese at right center back though that would be cool like every i think we'd all like to see reese involved in some capacity just because he uh, has a lot to offer and especially with callum pushing so far forward you know, he saw we saw against Burnley that there was always that knockback to Azpilicueta who had the opportunity to cross. And, you know, Azpilicueta's got a lot of qualities, but you'd rather have Reese delivering a ball in that situation. So um, that would be interesting. But yeah, I, I would be, I like the lineup. I just, I, have a, I don't think yeah. Thomas going to happen. Go yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what would you predict, seeing as you probably, out of the three of us, know Thomas Tuchel the best? <laughs> uh, I think it'll probably be the same back three we've seen already. Um, I would guess Callum would start. Like you said, I think it might be a good test to actually see how adaptable he is in this role, whether he can do the defensive side of it. Ah, Marcus Alonso of Chilwell. Um, yeah, let's say Alonso because it is. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I probably would my 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 head would say Ben Chilwell, but let's say Marcus Alonso. The thing is, one thing I want to say, even though I love Alonso. If he didn't score that goal in the 85th minute or whatever it was, everybody would have been saying he was terrible because he really wasn't in the game at all. I didn't. He wasn't terrible, but people would say that because that's what people on Twitter are like. Um, and, you know, he didn't he wasn't excellent. He wasn't anything special. Um, and that's not to say that Ben Chilwell would have been anything special either, because, you know, I think it was kind of just naturally um a lot of the play gravitated towards Callum because he was our most dangerous player and Mount was playing towards the right side as well and he was picking up the ball a lot. Um, so if he hadn't scored that goal, I think we'd probably all be saying Ben Chilwell's definitely going to start. I wonder if that kind of confirmation bias has an impact on Tuchel himself as well, but I, I don't know. I wonder, it depends, I guess, who he thinks Spurs will start with probably on that side. Because uh, mm. I don't, if 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 Thomas Tuchel thinks that they'll go Lucas Moura on that side, as is, you know, I don't think you'd want Lucas Moura running at Marcus Alonso, to be honest, uh, or or even Antonio Rudiger on that side. Um, so maybe you do go with Chilwell just because he's a better one-on-one defender than than Alonso. But yeah, that it'll be an interesting call because it, you know, there there are positive and negatives of both players depending on what you expect from the game. Um, I do expect Kante to come back into the midfield. I think it's a very good game for him to be playing in. Um, oh, my guess would be Jorginho. Uh, sorry, um, just because if you've got Kante doing the running around, I'm going to take the ball off you stuff. You probably would want Jorginho there to dictate yeah. what Chelsea are doing That's in the possession. 
Um, and then, yeah, the two behind, I think you say Giroud, I think would probably be the go-to against a low block. Um, but then the two either side of him is hard. Um, I think Mount should start because I, I'm a big fan of Mason Mount. I think he offers a lot to this Chelsea team that other players don't. Um, and then it's whether or not you go with Werner or Ziyech or Pulisic <laughs> or Havertz. Um, yeah. uh, I would put, I think maybe it would be Mountain Ziyech and then my guess would be Giroud up front, but um, it's it's guesswork largely on my part that to be honest, because I think Tom would say I can't I can't remember who tweeted it now, but he has just used the first two games as sort of gathering information about everybody. Yeah, um, I don't think we are going to see him go. This is my starting eleven every week. I'm going with these guys. I don't think that's going to happen. So you know, there's always going to be surprises. I think going forward, and especially especially this year, if if he kind of you know plays the players who haven't had a, much of an opportunity under him against Barnsley, and then they play well for the game after that, we're going to have no <laughs> idea what the team's going to be. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's always made quite a few changes to his teams anyway. Um, I guess supercharged at the moment, just because he is learning so much about all the players. So, um, But, you know, the team he puts out there, no matter who it is, just because of the quality Chelsea do have at the moment, um, especially in their forward line, there, sh- there should be enough there to hopefully overcome Spurs, given they've won, I think, three of their last 11 or something. They're not exactly much better than Chelsea were under Lampard. So. <laughs> True. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We were we were going to do a predicted lineup for the Chelsea spot uh, on the weekend game. And then we realised we actually don't have a clue, like a single <laughs> clue what he's going to do. Um, so we just left him. We'll, we'll leave those selection issues to Tuko himself. Um but one one person I want to talk about was Mason Mount. So obviously, uh, so he's one of my favorite players in the squad. But we all know he was he was the main man under Frank Lampard. He was he Lampard trusted him. He he knew what he offered on the pitch. How do you how do you think he'll do under Tuchel? Do you think Tuchel will like him um, because he's a hard worker and he does well against Burnley? He was really picking up in between the lines and driving forward with the ball. So yeah, how do you think he'll do? Uh, I actually wrote a piece about this for Football London. I think he'll do really well under Thomas Tuchel. Um, he presses really, really well, which I think is, going back to what we were saying earlier, is what Tuchel is going to mm. want longer term. Mm. I don't think there's another maybe Chelsea player who presses as well as Mount. Yeah. Um, he has that energy. He's really clever on the ball. I think people underestimate how clever he is on the ball. I think um, against Burnley, there are a couple of turns to sort of free himself, which are really, really smart turns, which kind of get brushed over a little bit just because it's kind of what you expect from a top level player but I think you know it's easy to and Mount's 22 he's only just 22 um so yeah I think longer term he has a lot of things that Thomas Tuchel would like and hopefully he gets to um gets his chance because uh, like anyone you speak to about Mason Mount um have has only good things to say about Mason Mount um I spoke to Jay uh, sorry Rio de Silva for a piece. Uh, yeah, I wrote. I saw that. And he said he went into Chelsea when he was sort of 12, 13, and he said he, he was in the same team as Mason Mount. And he said Mason Mount at 12, 13 had like the right mentality to become a professional footballer. Like all the other guys were sort of mucking around, playing about. It was fun to them. Whereas Mason Mount was the guy he said that was like, he, you knew that he was going to make it because of just the way he approached things. And that's the 13 year old kid. So it's like, this is a guy who's been at Chelsea since he was six, seven. How can you not want him to succeed when he's literally been at the club for so long and has done everything right? Like, he goes to Vitesse, smashes it, does brilliantly. He goes to Derby, steps up again, helps them 
almost getting to the Premier League. He comes back to Chelsea, has a really good first season. Yeah, his form wasn't great at points. I think he probably did get a bit burnt out at stages. But in this season, he's arguably in Chelsea's standout player. Um, yeah. So why anybody has issues with Mason Mount, it kind of confuses me. But it's probably, as you say, just because he's seen as Lampard's boy. And I imagine that's because Frank Lampard yeah. saw a bit of himself in him, basically. I think that's fair enough to say. But for that to be any sort of reason why someone would dislike him, forget Mount, dislike Lampard, you know, Chelsea's yeah. one of Chelsea's biggest ever legends. It's just it's completely just baffles sorry, me. But but sorry, anyway. but that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> well. We'll move on. I do want to stick stick on the topic of Mason Mount for slightly longer because under Frank Lampard um, this season, the system that was mainly used was a four three three with a, with uh, Mason in a slightly um, less advanced position than Chelsea fans had become accustomed to seeing him in, um, sort of number eight, but you know dropping quite deep in possession having all these rotations, spraying long switches, all sorts of things. Under Tuchel, it's a double pivot. Well, so far, anyway. And, you know, kind of inside number 10s in this 3-4-3, 3-4-2-1, whatever you want to call it. In Lampard's last game, again, sorry, last Premier League game, wasn't it, against Leicester, we saw Mason Mount in the double pivot. And, you know, he was, obviously, the whole team was pretty rubbish but he was one of the better players um but I wonder whether we will see him in that double pivot again just because Chelsea have so many other options there you know personally I I think our best pivot is Mountain and Kante but especially if it's got three defenders behind it rather than two but I just wonder whether that's something that Tuchel may not be so keen on doing uh, I probably agree with you. I think he probably sees Mason about playing a bit further up. But again, that might feed into the fact that Mason presses really well and mm. Tuchel wants to reclaim the ball high up the pitch. So you probably want Mount up there to try and help do that rather than being a bit further back. Um, I do think the beauty of Mount is you can put him in about four positions and he's mm. n- never going to really let you down. You can play him in the double pivot. You could play him as a 10, obviously. He played a couple of times on the left of the three um, and didn't really do badly. Um, so he's got so much to offer. Um, but yeah, I mean, I kind of feel that Tuchel probably would like, well, I think he wants Kante, definitely. That's sort of nailed on from what he's already said. You know, he's tried to sign him about three times or something. So he's going to want Kante in there. And I kind of feel he's probably going to want a possession keeper in there as well. Someone who will just, you know, keep the ball circulated, whether that's Jorginho or, you know, maybe Billy Gilmore going forward or whatever. But um... it's Julian White, Julian Weigel, right? <laughs> exactly. The, the modern day Julian Weigel. Yeah. Um, so I kind of feel, yeah, Mason Mount's going to be pushed further up the pitch again, um, which from his perspective, you know, he, he can do and will probably get his numbers up a bit easier because I know people pick on that, that, you know, he hasn't, he's only scored X amount of goals. Um, but I do think he'll get his numbers up if he plays a bit higher in terms of his goals because I think he has the capability to do that. Yeah, I completely agree. And uh, I'll be looking forward to, to seeing him do that. The only thing I worry about is because we have those two positions. If we are to stick with this formation in a 3-4-2-1, let's say the two, we're going to have Mount, Ziyech, Pulisic, Havertz and potentially hudson Adoy if we're going to you know, um, assume that Reese James eventually comes in at right wing back. That's five players, potentially even Andrian as well, if you want to include yeah. him. Five, six players for two positions. Loftus cheek. 
<laughs> is, there you go. But even this season, is he going to keep all of them happy? Uh, if you, yeah, I don't think it's going to be that easy. Um, <laughs> unless you start playing Fulisic as a wing back on the other side and then Hudson Odoi. <laughs> Uh, no, yeah, I think this is kind of the problem Chelsea face. And, you know, I've said this previously, you know, squad building is sort of an art. Um, Chelsea, I don't think have exactly mastered squad building, longer term squad building. They've kind yeah. of just kind of got, oh, let's sign, oh, well, Timo Werner's available. We should definitely sign Timo Werner. Oh, Kai Havertz is available. We should definitely sign Kai Havertz. But haven't you already got Zia? Yeah, 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 we have. But, we, you know, let's, let's go it feels like we're doing the same with Haaland as well. <laughs> yeah. It's the exact it's, same with oh, Haaland. I would be it's like, so, so it's like annoyed. I saw reports him. while the Athletic said we will sign a bid. We will make a bid. But I'm like, we need a sen- we need a centre-back <laughs> and we need a central defensive midfielder. And we're still going for Haaland. Makes no sense to me. Um, I but, kind yeah. of, like, Haaland is such a talent. Like, he's yeah. properly, like, generational talent. I kind of get why Chelsea are like, yeah, we should, if we can, we should get him. At that point, I wouldn't be surprised if 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 Chelsea were. I I kind of am hesitant about it. I I think Chelsea would find it really hard to get Haaland, even if they go for him. And if they don't finish in the top four this season, there's a zero chance they get him. Um, but if Chelsea were somehow able to pull off signing Haaland, I think that kind of spells the end for Tammy. I think it would be understandable at that point for Tammy to go. Yes, you know, you signed someone who's three years younger than me. So yeah, see you later, guys. Um, but yeah, they say squad building isn't just we should sign lots of players. I think Liverpool have done this brilliantly more than anyone else over the last sort of yeah. three years. They've really identified players who would bring something they either don't have in that team uh, or sort of complement the players that they've already got. So, you know, Liverpool already had Mane and Firmino and then they went and got Salah because it completed that front three, basically. And look what's happened to, you know, the three since they've skyrocketed. So, yeah, Chelsea haven't necessarily put their squad together as uh, carefully or sort of long-term planning but that might largely be down to the fact that Chelsea don't really do long-term planning um yeah. you know Lampard was meant to you know we talked about a three-year project he got 18 months so it's what Chelsea you know is is what Chelsea do so yeah I agree with you Chelsea probably do need a centre-back in the summer especially if you let Rudiger and or Christensen go um just because their contract situations Dayo Upamecano seems to be the name that's been linked a lot um Apparently, Tuchel likes him as well, so um, maybe that's one to keep an eye out. But given his thirty-eight million pound release clause, there's going to be about <laughs> t- at least ten clubs trying to get him. I think. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. Uh, just to go back to yeah, the original question, I don't know how you can keep everyone happy. Is the simple answer to that? Um, but that's what Thomas Tuchel's there to do. So, good luck to him. Yeah. No, I agree. I think the may. The solution for me, the only possible solution is that he doesn't play with only two sort of uh, number 10 slash wingers, whatever you want to call them. Um, he's got to go to some either play Mason Mount deeper or go to more of a 4-2-3-1 because you're basically exchanging a defender for a um, an attacker. And I mm. could have understood that had we kept Tamori and still had that five centre-backs problem. But now that we only have four centre-backs, there's not really any necessity to play three in terms of keeping your squad happy f- for that reason. Mm. So, Although, although Azpi's now a centre-back again, so he kind of yeah. tells to do kind of five centre-backs again. Um, but no, yeah, exactly. I think, I, think, crazy. I think Thomas Tuchel will probably... I don't know if he'll do it this season just because of, let's say, that he doesn't have loads of time to really sort of come up with three different complex strategies and let, make sure yeah. the players understand them. But I think going forward, we probably will see him use sort of a 4-2-3-1 or a 
or four two 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 basically as well at points, which is used. Mm. So I do think we'll see flexibility maybe next season. So um, so yeah, but as you say he's got a lot of options to try and crowbar in, and it probably will mean that we do see changes fairly regularly. Well, luckily we do seem to have a game pretty much every three days. So <laughs> you know that that'll be interesting. I think as a fan, that's quite um. Well, for me, to be fair, I do see lots of fans saying that, oh, I hate it when there's no regularity. But for me, I, I really like seeing changes often because it means that people are getting chances and it means, you you know, there's more variety. It's not as monotonous. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we're going to move on um, to the last topic of the pod, which is Friday's game for the Chelsea under-23s against Arsenal, which will be their first game in exactly five weeks, which is ridiculous. Um, Obviously, there was the winter break, which was going to be, I think, three-ish weeks break, which is already quite a lot. Uh, Then they had two games postponed um, due to, you know, there was a coronavirus outbreak at Cobham. Then there was coronavirus uh, positive tests in their opponents in one of the games. Um, So, yeah crazy stuff going on but hopefully this game will go ahead and they'll be finally playing they did play uh, an inch squad friendly with the 23s and the 18s all of them uh, on last friday at cobham i think um so yeah what are your thoughts ahead of that i i think dijon sterling could be likely to play i know you're a big fan of him so and perhaps george mckechran as well who's who's with that group back with that group now so what, what do you think ahead of that game? Firstly, it'll be good for them to just be playing again. As you say, they've had such a long break yeah. at this point. Um, and this season is, is is a bit of a weird one for, for the under-23s. You know, it's such a critical development stage for a lot of them. And it's such a disruptive year uh, that you hope it doesn't affect anyone too badly. Um, from the performances we've seen, it hasn't, which is good. Um, yeah, I do wonder who we'll see in this under-23s. Uh, I wonder if someone like Tino Andrew will just drop down just to get some minutes mm. if he doesn't feature against Spurs on Thursday night. Maybe he does. I know he's in the first team bubble, but they're allowed to drop down and play. So maybe he does mm. get a bit of bit of game time under his belt. Um, obviously, we've had a few lads training with the first team over the last month. Um, hopefully, they get some game time as well. Um, and yeah, as I said, Dujon Sterling has had a really tough year. Um, hasn't played. Hasn't sort of played for best part of the year now so it'd be good to see him get some minutes um he did play in the sort of internal game last week did play 90 minutes um and sort of played well by all accounts uh, which is good to hear so it'll be nice to see him back because i think people have probably forgotten a little bit that dujon sterling's a properly properly talented <laughs> kid um yeah like it was him and reese wasn't it, it was yeah. him and reese on that sort of what we're seeing now with livermento and lawrence it was exactly the same with reese and sterling yeah. they were both incredible um, and you know, Jody really liked Reese, obviously. Um, but Reese, uh, Reese's progression has, has leapt ahead for, for reasons that we already know. Um, so yeah, it'd be good to see him if Chelsea's under 23s uh do want to play the wing backs, then you've got Dujon Sterling there, and hopefully he can just sort of get get back on track. It was good, in my opinion, it was good that he didn't go out on loan. I think he probably does just need six months at Cobham now to really sort of get his self back on on track um he does only have sort of 18 months on his contract as well so it's an important six months for him um because yeah if you haven't played for that long it is going to take you a little bit of time to just get back to what made you so good in the first place so um 
so yeah, hopefully we see him. Um, and I'll be interested to see if Jude swings up Bell plays again, just because, uh, mm. yeah, he looks so comfortable whatever level you, he plays at. Um, I really hope he gets a first-team appearance at some point before the end of the season, even though he's still very young. 17. Uh, just turned 17, yeah. It's crazy. I think, I think that we probably won't see him in this game just for the for the pure reason that he is still you know very much eligible mm. to play for the under 18s yeah. and there are play you know players in the same position that are not um the likes of, yeah. of George Nunn I think is probably like quite likely to see him start start the game as a striker um it's just about fitting all the players in really you know if you're thinking Xavier Mbuyamba is now match fit yeah. able to to make his Chelsea debut um if you're thinking this is going to be a kind of 3-4-3 three, three, perhaps you've got um well I don't know who will play in goal because Carlo Zika hasn't played for ages um get Petacek in again yeah <laughs> give him some more minutes because he looked so rusty yeah. in that game he did play <laughs> I saw a funny tweet yeah. saying uh, Czech, Czech was training with the first team to spy on Lampard's management of players. And I was yeah. like, oh, that's a bit harsh. Um, but yeah. I, bet, but yeah. I yeah. think uh, if you're Czech, seems like such a. In, I'd love to speak to Petr Czech just because he just sounds like such an interesting guy from everything you read mm. about him. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, it'd be interesting. I don't think he will play. I think we saw his one appearance and it didn't go brilliantly. And I don't think he'd probably want to play another match given that. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. I think the the eventfulness of that game kind of overshadowed it a bit with all the the um, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he, 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 game. Tottenham scored within about three minutes, didn't they? In that game, yeah. they scored uh, like two in twenty, and then we just yeah. turned it around. <laughs> Proper game, game that was. Hope, hopefully, hopefully, there there are similar scenes on Friday. But if we want to think about the the starting eleven, just a bit of a guess. You've got whoever. Plays in goal, plays in goal. I don't really know. Ethan Wadey's back in the mix. So is Teddy Sharman Lowe, um, returned from loan at Burton Albion. So there are there are options there. Back three, I think probably most likely, um, if Ember Yamba does play, him, Simeu and Levi Colwell, although Sam McClelland is also in the mix. Um, wing backs most likely to be Lawrence on the left, Livermento on the right. Oh, but you've got Sterling. Yeah, yeah, okay, so this is where it gets interesting. And Baba Rama left. So do yeah. you put Lawrence in midfield? Um, Potentially. Play Livermento left wing back? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you can do that because you want to play both George McEachran and Lewis Bate in midfield, don't you? And possibly Tino Andron. Um, and if you had Tino drops in. <laughs> <laughs> well, I so think we Tino would be, would be higher up. If you want to maybe play Livermento or Sterling further forward in as a kind of winger, yeah, you do that, yeah. but then you drop Pat Harris or Lewis. <laughs> you drop one of them. Yeah, um, but Harris or Mars or Lewis. So yeah, we're difficult. gonna see a relatively big name on the. Or the other option is to play four at the back, and then put Dujon Sterling or Tina Livermento as a kind of right winger. Then you're, you're dropping a big centre back on I guess. the right hand side. So, yeah, you are dropping a centre back, but you're not really dropping Mboyamba because he hasn't played yet. So yeah, um, that, that's I'm going to ease him in, and so he might not start just for that reason. Yeah. So yeah. Um, you say this, it, they've got a pretty strong group now, the under-23s, um, especially if you got Tino dropping down. I like to see Tino play under-23 football just because he's too good. He, he bullies <laughs> people, and it's kind of amusing. I think it was against United when he 
at, I can't even remember who it was. Uh, he just shrugged off somebody. And Ted and Mangi, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was. He just shrugged him off and left him on the ground. I was like, oh, <laughs> you're, you're a bit too big for this level now, Tino. Uh, but it's good fun to watch. But it, as well as it being fun, it's also quite important for him to get yeah. minutes, isn't it? Because seeing as he hasn't played, you know, you don't want him to get uh, kind of short of match fitness because we know that that can be um, problematic for him. Mm. Yeah, true, true, good point. So, yeah, it, so it'd be, it's sensible in that respect to, to maybe just bring him down for, for minutes if he isn't involved against Spurs um, and isn't planning to be involved against Sheffield United as well. That game against Sheffield United will be interesting if, you know, three days ahead, if you have players who have played every three days for three games, maybe even if they're the best performer, do you then rest them? Oh, yeah, it's uh, that's not my problem. From my perspective, it's like Thursday game, you know, then post pre match press conference, then it's game, post match presser, then it's like two days later, pre match press conference again. It's uh, yeah, it's relentless. And I'm not, I say, I'm not even doing anything when I'm at the game, I'm just sitting there watching. (laughs) Must be fun though, it is, it is. Yeah, like, don't get me wrong, as I said to you earlier, like, I appreciate how lucky. I am to be at games, even if it's absolutely freezing cold, which it has been at a couple. Uh, to be at a game um, and to be at Stamford Bridge and everything, like, uh, yeah, we are so lucky as a press that we get to do that. Um, and hopefully everyone can be back fairly soon. Touch wood, touch wood. Touch wood. On that note, I think we're going to wrap up the pod. It's been great fun. Thanks so much, Adam, for joining us. No worries. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, anytime. Awesome. And Obviously, thank you very much as well, Pari. No worries, mate. It was a pleasure. All right, that's it. As I said at the top, it would be a great help for us if you could follow us on Instagram at the Chelsea Spot um, and make sure to check out our website as well, thechelseaspot.com. As always, lots of great articles going up there nearly every day, pretty much. So, yeah, with that being said, thank you very much for listening and we will see you next time. <laughs>